I was speaking to uh, my spiritual director, Father Paul, a good couple of years ago, and uh, he was speaking to our community, and he asked us in general, he said, what's the greatest enemy of the church? What's the greatest enemy of the church? And I guess we were all expecting an answer like maybe Freemasonry or maybe Satan himself or maybe uh, sin or something like that. And he said, in his opinion, the greatest enemy of the church is uh, ignorance, just not knowing the treasures that we have, not knowing scripture, not knowing uh, what's available to us, not knowing the power of the sacraments, not knowing for a priest to not know like, the, the power that a priest has all to be used for, for the greater glory of God. But like, it's ignorance, ignorance, not knowing. I find today's reading from Tobit very surprising. Uh, I think when people think of the Bible, I think a lot of people have it reduced. Those who, know, those who know very, very little about the Bible think it's just a nice little book about Jesus being nice and saving people and helping you know, blind cats and whatever else. And Jesus is a bit of a do-gooder and that's all very nice. Then it's the story where he dies at the end, but it all, it all comes good again. Those who know a little more will know that in the Old Testament there are lots of stories also about battles and you know, all sorts of uh, historical events that uh, aren't necessarily... Uh, commendable, you know, even uh, on behalf of the Jews, certain things that they did that they weren't asked to do by God, and you know, various, as I say, battles and wars. Uh, but then there are passages like this where our hero, if you will, the author of the book, Tobit, a couple of days ago we heard how uh, he was blinded. So he was lying down outside and uh, sparrows did their, their business in his eyes and it, it basically it ended up blinding him and yesterday we heard how his wife said to him when she did a job for someone they paid her for the job and they also gave her a goat she brings the goat home blind Tobit said hang on where did this goat come from and the wife says well I got paid for my work and they gave me the, this goat as well and he says take it away this, has, this goat has been stolen and then the wife just kind of reminds him sorry I, I for all the, all the good, all the honesty that you live here, what good has it done you? You know, you're all so kind of honest. And a couple of days ago, back on Monday, I think it was, uh, Tobit heard that someone had died. And they, they, so these are Jews living uh, in exile. So they're, they're in exile. So they're not in, in Jewish land. So they're, they're, they're Jews living under uh, foreign rule, right? So they did not have permission to bury the dead. But Tobit went against this law on two occasions uh, to bury the body of a Jewish man illegally. He wasn't supposed to do it. Uh, first time he did it, a price was put in his head. And then, as I say, back on Monday, our reading spoke of another occasion where in the middle of the night he, find, he, he, heard, he, he gets this man's body and buries it, which he wasn't supposed to do. But out of respect for God's law, uh, he, he, he did so. So for all this good, anyway, his wife says to him, what about your own works. Everyone knows what return you have had for them. So you're trying to do the right thing and you're getting nothing for it. So why bother? We're living up here in exile. Uh, why bother? Why, why try? Why be good? And Tobit comes to a very, very dark place. So again, he's the hero, the hero of our story. This is in the Bible. Tobit wants to die. Tobit wants his life to end. He is feeling fairly downtrodden after 
as I say, losing his sight and uh, doesn't seem to have the respect of, of anyone. Everything seems to be falling apart to him. And he says, Lord, it would be better if I had never been born. Be pleased to take my life from me. I desire to be delivered from earth and to become earth again. I desire to become earth again. I want to be buried. I want to be dead. For death is better for me than life. I have been reviled without a cause. And I am distressed beyond measure. I mean, that's, that's some heavy stuff. That's a very, very dark place to be when you no longer want to live. You want the Lord to take your life from you. But the reading doesn't stop there. Then it goes on to speak about Sarah. So Sarah had been married to seven men. They all died before they could come together as man and wife. So scripture says that she had a, a demon within her and the demon was, was killing her, her husbands before, as I say, before, they could, uh, before she could have a child. So she's fairly, feeling fairly downtrodden as well. And one of the servant girls in her house says, you know, unlucky you, your husbands keep dying because of the demon in you. You know, so she feels hopeless. And she too wants to go end her life, but she actually wants to go hang herself. Again, these are actually the heroes of our story here. Uh, both of them find themselves in awful places. Today, in today's world, uh, I think because of because of in part technology and because of the the, the ease of life, uh, a lot of people have lost the will to fight or even the knowledge of how to fight. Like when you have to struggle for things, when you have to struggle to get an education, when you have to struggle to, to, to work, when you have to struggle even for sport uh, to get ahead, you know, to qualify, whatever it may be. When you have to struggle, you get used to, you get used to kind of, in a positive sense, fighting. You get used to pushing yourself. And it's, it's actually a good thing. The struggle is actually necessary. The struggle of, of life is actually necessary. It teaches us, it strengthens us in virtue as well. So the, the struggle is actually part of life. It's not something that can be avoided. Eventually, we have to face things that we find difficult, or people we find difficult, or vices in ourselves that we find difficult. And eventually, we, just, you know, we have to do battle with them. It's just life. It's the way things go. But I think today, our world has become so easy. Everything is, is, is quick. Everything is, is quick delivery. Everything is next day delivery. Everything is you know, in the middle of the night. You're shopping there on Amazon, and to be delivered, you don't even have to leave your house. And uh, the money just kind of arrives magically in your bank account. And everything is easy. We become more uh, attached then to just entertainment. It's funny how like, even some of our young people here at times, they'll, they'll, they'll ask a question like, um, do you know, when was this, the book of, this, this particular book of Scripture written? I'd say, well, you've got a phone. Google it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They have no, and then the, the screen time could be four hours. Right? Screen time in a day could be four hours of watching... TikTok dances. Do you know? Four hours of that. But you haven't got 20 seconds to Google when was Book of Tobit written, send, or enter. So it just becomes pure entertainment, but nothing useful. Okay, so just our lives become about entertainment. But the problem, as we mentioned a couple of days ago, the problem with constant entertainment is constant entertainment gets boring. But the entertainment is the thing that we were waiting for, looking for, hoping for. So that's kind of as good as it gets. So when, when as good as it gets, gets boring, then there's nothing left. What is there? What is it, what is it, what is it to look forward to then? 
because this is it, like, the whole, like living for the whole Saturday night kind of thing, you know, and, and the, the excitement and exhilaration of all of that, okay. But then when that starts to get boring, when that starts, which it does very, very quickly, uh, then what's left? Then what is there to hope for? So we find ourselves in, in, in today's world in, a, in a, an epidemic of sadness, an epidemic of suicidal tendencies, an epidemic of this culture of death. And it's, the consequences are horrendous for individuals and for families. And for even, even schools, one of the schools where I'm chaplain had a suicide a couple of years ago, and like, you never really fully recover. The school, the, the, the students, the, even the teachers from that era, like they, they all remember it, like, because it just, it just leaves such a void. Now, when it comes to this issue of, of suicide, we have to be so, so, so careful. Uh, I think traditionally in Ireland, um, hard times bred hard people. Hard times bred hard people. Like when, t- when, when things were, were tough and when, the, when Ireland was a lot, was a lot poorer, uh, hard times bred hard people. I mean, people died. People died. Like, I mean, if I had lived 100 years ago, I think I'd be dead twice already. I mean, modern medicine has saved my life twice which, uh, as I say, there'd have been a lot more tragedy in my family if we'd lived 100 years ago. So, like, it just happened, you know, cot deaths, uh, infant mortality rate was through the roof, general poverty, people dying from a little infection, which today can be treated with just, you know, a couple of tablets of penicillin, you're good to go. Uh, Things were hard. Things were hard. And it, it, it bred a kind of a hardness into people, I think. Also as regards the issue of suicide. So... Don't get me wrong, suicide is never, never, ever a viable option. But there are three aspects, three parts of the human person, right? We are, we're a body, we're a mind, and we're a soul. And all of these need to be cared for, need to be provided for, need to be nourished, if you will, or, or we can start to slip into this kind of darkness and negativity. So, like, an act of suicide is a sin against theological virtue of, of hope. When a person commits suicide, it's because they have no hope anymore. There's just, there is no solution here. There's nothing to look forward to. There's no way out. So if there's no way out, if, if everything is just a dead end, and if I'm in this, this room with no doors, where the walls just appear to be closing in, and there's just no way out, I'd just be better off dead. So in order to combat that, I think we have to look at the, those three aspects of the human person, body, mind, and soul, and provide for all of those. Body is actually, I would think, the least important. I mean, obviously we need food and nourishment and that kind of thing. But even in the face of, of bad or terminal diagnoses, generally speaking, that on its own isn't what will push someone over the edge. Like if you hear you've got bone cancer and you're 60 or 70, it generally doesn't push people over the edge, even though it's, it's a horrendous diagnosis. So... <coughs> And say, while our bodies have, have their needs, the mind and the soul, I think, are actually more important in this whole battle, in this whole struggle for life. In here, in our minds, if there can also be, just to, sorry to go back to the body for a sec, there can also be chemical imbalances in a person, hormones and, uh, and that which can be regulated. Thank God, modern, modern medicine, we have a much better understanding of how that works to prevent the lows from being too low. To, to even out the, 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 the moods and the, uh, those feelings just to, to 
placate the, the, the darkness that, that can overcome a person. Thankfully, modern medicine has helped a lot in that. But as regards our, our minds then, like practicing seeing the good, practicing forgiveness, uh, practicing service, practicing coming out of ourselves and loving the other. I say practice because it's something we have to choose to do and put into action. The danger is if we don't, then everything starts to close in and all I begin to see is my own hurt and my own sadness and my own desperation and there's no hope there. We do this also through the grace of God, so that our soul, our soul which needs nourishment, needs, it needs obviously the, the sacraments, it needs prayer, it needs that, that light. So the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life, like the antidote to this culture of death. The Holy Spirit, the giver of life, who wants us to, to, to know what it's like to be, who wants us to experience this, this indwelling of God within us, where the light emanates from within as opposed to just kind of helping us from the outside. God lives within, motivates, heals, strengthens, consoles from within. So that, 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 that reality then we carry with us into our crosses and into our difficulties and into our families and into uh, whatever horrendous circumstances we may find ourselves in. But it, God dwells within. That light emanates from within. And at times this reality can become far more apparent to us because of the struggle. Because we may have days where we're just thinking, my goodness, how do I, how do I get out of this? How do I recover from this? I mean, you hear some just horrendous situations of, in families of, of, of hurt and betrayal and pain on top of pain on top of pain. And you wonder how people cope with these kind of things at all. So we need to draw from this source of infinite grace, from the, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And as I say, this isn't to condemn anyone who, who has gone through uh, depression or suicidal tendencies. Like life, can be, life can throw an awful lot of, of difficulties our way. And as I say, our heroes here struggled with this, but they came through it. They came through it, and that's, that's the heroism. It's, it wasn't that they were untouched by the difficulties that surrounded them, they were very much, not just touched, they were wounded by the circumstances they found themselves in. But they relied on God. They dug deep. They cried out to the Lord in their difficulty, in their adversity, in their darkness. And the Lord blessed them. We, just, we, we, we can't allow ourselves to slip into a situation where there's no more hope. Because if we've no hope, if there's no way out, that will lead to, to desperation. And that leads to, to, to very dark thoughts and very dark actions. So our God is a God of solutions. He's a God who knows all things and can do all things. And in all things, we must hope against hope and just hold on. Lord, you have a solution. This is a crushing situation. 
But Lord, I hope in you. My hope is in you. My hope isn't in me. My hope isn't in my ability to resolve it. My hope is in you. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. You who can create all the things and do all things. My help comes from you. So, in our difficulties and in our challenges, and anybody who's listening or watching, or if you know anybody who's, who's struggling, it's like we want to be, in a way, kind of channels of, of, of hope for them. That they know that they're, they're heard, they're understood, they're listened to, they're cared for in their woundedness, in their darkness. They're not cared for in love because they're perfect. Or they'll be cared or loved for more when they come out of this. As they are in their misery, you are loved right there. And they need to know that it's there that they're loved. Not even when they come out of it. Right there, in your sadness. That's where you're loved. And you're loved by your Father. And so, regardless of what happens, easy as this is to say, regardless of what happens... We pray for the grace to hold on to hope, to hold on especially in patience that the Lord will intervene, that the Lord has a solution to everything, and that even though we may not feel like we have a way out, the Lord can always find something. He will. He will. We just have to hold on. We just have to wait. We may find ourselves in a storm, but the storms will pass. They do. So we hold on in hope. And we pray for that virtue, the virtue of deep-seated hope. And that when any darkness overcomes us, that we will call out to the Lord. As we read in our psalm, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Let me not be disappointed. I trust you. Those who hope in you shall not be disappointed. Amen.